your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter number 4. Revelation chapter number 4. How many of y'all glad to be saved? Man, it's good to have a full house tonight. Good to have a full house tonight on a Wednesday night, cold outside, and you're here. Thank you, thank you for your commitment and your faithfulness tonight. Uh, while you're turning to Revelation chapter number 4, uh, I told you last week I would have a chart of the, the history of the church from Pentecost to where we are today and how it broke down and, and how it's labeled and what they were called. And here is an explanation of the chart on the left or the right hand side. Uh, these will be at 411, I believe. 411. Is somebody help me with that? Dustin in here anywhere? I, is it true, 411? Okay, 411. If you want one of these, uh, stop by and pick it up. It's really detailed. It will really uh, uh, give you some good information about the history of the church in, in the world and uh, uh, how we got to where we are today. Uh, so you stop by 401, pick that up. Everybody else, turn to uh, Revelation chapter number 4. Uh, we're going to just read the first verse, or, or maybe, maybe a couple verses here, and, uh, and, and jump right into this study. All right. Uh, what we're going to try to do, we're not just going to deal with the subject itself. In other words, uh, a lot of times when I, when I teach on this particular subject or preach on this particular subject, I just take it for granted you believe it's there and uh, you believe it happens and it's a, it's a real biblical fact. Uh, uh, but I want to do a little more than that tonight. I want to I give you some uh, information to help prove to you this is a uh, legitimate deal. Uh, because there are some people, and, and good people, there are some people that don't believe in the rapture. Uh, there are some people that have disagreements about when the rapture takes place. Some believe it takes place before the tribulation. Uh, some believe it's uh, during the tribulation. Some people at the end of the tribulation period, pre-trib, uh, post-trib, and uh, um, the, 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 the mid-trib. So you have pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. Uh, uh, I am a pre-tribber. <clears throat> And, uh, and, and I believe if you're going to believe the Bible, you got to be a pre-tribber, amen? Now, if you're a mid-tribber or a post-tribber, I ain't got nothing against you. Good, God bless you, amen? And so I don't need emails after this is over, and I don't need to meet with you to debate the subject. Uh, I'm not debating anything. I quit doing that a long time ago because I found out they're not going to change my mind, and I'm not going to change their mind, and a mind changed against its will is of the same opinion still. Amen. And all God's people say it. So I'm going to give you what I believe the Bible is teaching, and then you can decide whether you want to believe it or not, and it's up to you. And so, so we're just going to leave it at that, and all God's people say it. All right, all right. Revelation chapter number 4 and verse number 1. Now keep in mind, we just finished the age of the church. We just finished God describing and teaching us the age of the church, the church period, which is chapters 2 and chapters 3. And at the end of the church period, we find, verse 1, after this, after what? After the church age, after 2 and 3, after this, I looked and behold, a door was opened where? In heaven. In heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be when? Hereafter. Hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. So we hear a voice that sounded as a trumpet, and it said, Come up hither, and immediately he was in heaven. 
Immediately he was in heaven. All right? So let's take that and we're going to pray and then we'll jump right in today. Are you excited? All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to be able to come into your house. Uh, Lord, we have a lot of information, but we need a lot of anointing. God, I pray that you'll touch my heart and my mind. And uh, Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. I pray that you'll touch every ear that they may comprehend and understand your word today. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. I was told once again to remind everybody to wait till the children leave before you trample them. All right, we're going to have we're going to have hall monitors next week with stop and go signs till we can get these children out of here. Amen. Now, I trust me. I am thrilled to death that you can't wait to get in this building. I'm telling you, I would rather have that than me have to go find you. Say amen. But please help us to keep the children safe. Amen. It's all about the children. Chillins, chillins. Amen. Now, let's, 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 let's deal with this. Let's deal with it. Let's jump right into verse number one. Uh, here's what I want you to write down. If you got it, I forgot to ask you, who needs an outline? Does anybody need an outline? Okay. Uh, help, help me with that. Help me with that. Johnny and Brother Steve, y'all run. I seen a hand back there. Anybody up there need an outline? Anybody can help them? Everybody good up there? Look at that. The whole shelf up there is in good shape. See, Y'all do your thing. Amen. Jason, is that because of you? You making sure everybody gets one? These are your people. All right. All right. We'll get some more of your people up there. How about that? Amen. Because this is full down here. Amen. No. Amen. No, I appreciate everybody being here today. Anybody need an outline? Raise your hand real fast. We'll make sure you get one because I want you to follow this. Keep this with you. Okay? All right. Right there, brother. Brother Griggs, do you see that one? Right there, back, 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 back. There you go. All right, all right. Let's jump into the outline. First, number one, write this down if you're taking notes. I want you to see, I want you to see the illustrative picture. The illustrative picture. There are so many places in the Bible uh, where, where God will take something and he will, he will give you a picture of a truth he's trying to make. For instance, when you look at the Old Testament, you'll see that Joseph was a type an illustration, an illustrative picture of Christ. Uh, his brothers hated him. He was sold for silver. He was thrown in a pit. He went from a pit to a palace. Amen. He had a, he had a, a Gentile bride. He was a, a picture of Christ. Isaac was a picture of Christ as he carried the wood up the hill to the sacrifice. And, and so over and over again, God will give you a picture of a truth he wants to pervade. Now, so the first picture I want you to see, I want you to look in, in uh, uh, chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So two things I want to give you. First, there is scripture division. To understand the picture, you got to see the scripture division. We see the words, After this... And then hereafter, if we go back to chapter number one, and if we're rightly dividing the word of truth, uh, if we go back to chapter one, he gives him what he wants to write. This whole book of Revelation is broken up into three divisions, right? Chapter one, then division two is chapters two and three, and then division three is chapters four through the rest of the book. All right. Chapter one is the things which thou hast seen. That's the vision of the resurrected Lord. Chapters two and three are the things which are. And remember, 
chapters, chapters 1 is the past. Say that with me. Chapter 1 is the past. past. Chapters 2 and 3 is the present. It's the present, things which are. What are we presently in? We're in the age of grace or the church age. We're in the church age, all right? This is the present time, present day, all right? Then chapters 4 begins with this, things which shall be hereafter. Hereafter what? The church is gone. The church age. When the church age ends, now this begins. Does that make sense? Say amen. All right? The end of the church age is in the end of chapter number 3. In chapter number 4, we see a division. There is a separation. We see a new vision begins, all right? First is the vision of the resurrected Lord and the, the, the age of the church and the time of the church. And now we find a new vision and he's beginning to see other things and now begins really the beginning of the tribulation period. Chapters 4 and 5 is the scene in heaven right after the rapture and chapter 6 throughout is what happens here on earth after the rapture. All right? Now, here we find scripture division. But then B, write this down. We see scripture comparison. Scripture comparison. The greatest commentary for the Bible is the Bible. The greatest commentary for the Bible is the Bible. And you say, what do you mean by that? Compare scripture with scripture. Scripture with scripture. Now, how many of y'all know you can take one scripture out of context from a verse and make it say about anything you want it to say? Right? Uh, somebody said, well, I just open the Bible and, and whatever I find, whatever I see first, that's what God's trying to tell me. Now, that's a big problem because if you open the Bible and it says Judas went out and hanged himself, and then you open it again and it says what thou doest, do quickly, amen, that could cause a problem. Are y'all with me? I, I'm trying to make a point here, but there are people that really do that. And say, well, uh, I'm, this, this verse is speaking to me. When it may not be speaking to you at all. This may be a verse that is speaking to Jews or unbelieving Jews at the time. And, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. We have to rightly divide the word. And the best way to do that is compare scripture with scripture. Now, let's compare, let's compare Revelation 4, 1 with 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. All right, let me read, let me read 4, 1 again. After this I looked. And behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. So we see a trumpet, a voice, come up hither, and now I'm in heaven. All right, compare that to 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. There's a voice. The voice of the archangel with the what? Trump of God and the dead in Christ shall what? Rise. rise. Come up hither. Rise first. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then, <clears throat> then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them where? In the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. So to me, when I read this, it is a perfect illustration. It is a perfect comparison to 1 Thessalonians 4.16. I believe that this is a picture of the rapture of the church before the tribulation period begins, before the seal judgments, before the trumpet judgments, before the vile judgments, before everything unleashes on earth, the rapture of the church takes place. When you compare scripture 
with Scripture. So we see an illustrative picture. Number two, number two, I want you to see the imminent promise. The imminent promise. We're talking about the rapture. And you say, preacher, the word rapture is not in the Bible. I, I, I understand that. But the word rapture means caught up. And that's where we get it from is 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain, dead in Christ are those that's already gone. They're going to rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be. Those who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's what the word rapture means, caught up. A snatching away, a snatching away. And so the topic is the rapture of the church. We see it's, there's an illustrative picture in verse 1. Then number two, it's an imminent promise. An imminent promise. And you say, why do you say that? It can happen any moment. The writers of the New Testament, the writers of the New Testament, especially the epistles, Paul and, and those believed that Jesus was going to come back in their time. They believed in the rapture of the church, their time. It could be any moment. It is the very next thing that has to happen on the prophetic calendar in God's word. The very next thing that's going to take place is the rapture of the church. Now, what kind of promise? First A, write this down, it, there's a reunion with Christ. There's a reunion with Christ, John 14. And by, by the way, John 14 is the only reference in the gospel to the rapture of the church. You say, what about Matthew, Matthew 24? That is not talking about the rapture. That is talking about the second coming. And that is Jesus speaking to a Jewish crowd, a Jewish congregation, and dealing with the, the time of Jacob's sorrow, which is the tribulation period. And I'll get into the, all of that in just a little bit here in a minute. But this is the only reference to the rapture in the Gospels. Everything else is given to us by Paul, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. But first we see John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. Where is he talking about? In my father's house. Where is his father's house? Heaven. Heaven. All right, John 13, he says, I'm going to leave and depart. I'm going back to be with the father. Where is the father? In Heaven. I'm going to the, the father's house. Where is the father's house? Heaven. All right, watch this. Now, I'm, I'm doing this on purpose because I'm, I'm trying to, in, in just a moment, here's one of the, here's one of the arguments. Here's one of the arguments. The, the second coming and the rapture, what we call the rapture, it's the same event. So it doesn't happen before the tribulation. It's the second coming. It's all one event, and that's what happens at the end of the tribulation. But what I'm going to prove to you tonight, that it is not the same event. There is the rapture of the church, the seven years of tribulation, then the second coming of Christ down to this earth. The second coming of Christ comes and he stands on the earth. The rapture, we go up. Second coming, we come down. Rapture, we go up, right? Now watch, now watch. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, in heaven, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Where is he going? To prepare a place for you, right? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and do what? Receive you, right? I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am. Where is he going to be? Where I am. There ye may be. So where are we going to be? Rapture. We go up to heaven. Second coming. We come down to earth. See? It's two different events. And I'm going to give you a whole lot more, so just keep writing. 
Keep writing, keep them pins hot. Amen. <laughs> the imminent promise of the rapture, it's, it's a promise of a reunion with Christ. He said, listen, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you here to suffer through this long. I will come back and receive you and take you to be where I am. And where is he talking about? He's going to heaven. He's going to be with the Father. All right? There is a reunion with Christ, but then there's a rescue from wrath. This is a promise to the church. There's a rescue from wrath. <clears throat> I want you to read the bottom verse first, and then we'll look at the other couple verses. Revelation 6. Remember this. Revelation 6 begins the tribulation here on earth. Revelation 4 and 5 is a picture of what's happening in heaven at the same time, in other words, Revelation 4 and 5 are happening simultaneously to chapter 6 throughout. Does that make sense? Say amen. Revelation chapter 4 and 5 is up in heaven. That's happening at the same time of what's happening on earth in chapter 6. Chapter 6 is the beginning of the opening of the seals. In other words, the beginning of the tribulation period and the judgment of God upon this earth. Now watch, watch what it is called. Revelation 6, 16. When you get there, say amen. It's the bottom of your page. And they said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us. This is what people are going to be crying out during the tribulation period. And this is not even the worst of the tribulation period. This is just the tribulation period, not the great tribulation period. But in the beginning it says this, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne from the wrath, wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. Who shall be able to stand? Now let me give you some promises that God gave Paul to give to us. All right, Titus 2.13. Titus 2.13. What is the rapture of the church? It's called this, looking for that blessed hope. Blessed hope. Now we're going to see, we're going to see in some places that the, the second coming, where Jesus comes in judgment, is a day of terror. That's not a blessed hope. If I know I'm going through the tribulation period, that is not a blessed hope. Are y'all with me? Now watch. First Thessalonians. What is it? Day, the, the day? It says, from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his what? Come on. For the great day of his wrath is come. Watch what it says, First Thessalonians 1, 9. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath, wrath to come. Now, if there is no rapture of the church and we go through the tribulation period, that verse is a lie. Because he is promising us right here that we're going to be delivered from the wrath to come. When does the wrath begin? Chapter 6, at the beginning of the tribulation period. We're delivered from it. Watch what it says. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. For God, he's talking to the church. He's talking to the church. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. The rapture of the church is the promise of missing the wrath of the Lamb, the great day of the wrath of God upon this earth. Does that make sense? Say amen. Now, here's, here's where it's going to really make sense. Uh, when you, God, God, through the Holy Spirit, inspired Paul to tell Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, right? Don't just read this book. 
Study it. How do you study it? Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needs not to be ashamed, but rightly, what's the next word? Dividing. <coughs> rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul was a tent maker. Paul, he uses this imagery of cutting fabric. Because when they would cut the fabric to sew the tent together, if they didn't rightly divide it, when they sewed it back together, it would not fit. And so what's happening is, is either out of ignorance or just don't know no better or just because of what somebody told them, you hear phrases like this, all the promises in the Bible are mine. No, they're not. No, they're not. In the beginning of the New Testament, you're going to find there's a lot of kingdom talk. And I got to talk a little bit, so just, just focus on me a minute because I got to set the table for this. When Jesus came, he came as a king, but he came into his own in his own what? Received him not, but he came as a king. He came to bring a kingdom and he offered him a kingdom. When John Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus and he came preaching, he said, repent for what? The kingdom of God is at hand. And the king is here, okay? Jesus is the king. He's a Jew offering a Jewish kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount describes the kingdom, describes what the kingdom would be like when the king is on the throne. Jesus gives them all this information, and he is offering them a kingdom. Matter of fact, how many of y'all know the story and you've read when he came in on a donkey? How many of y'all remember that? When he came in and they were putting the palms down and they were putting their garments out and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were proclaiming him king. He was offering himself as king, but they rejected him. They rejected him. There's no talk about the church. There's no, there's no even mention of the church except when Jesus told them, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But that's the only mention of the church all throughout the Gospels. And they are not even looking for a church. They don't even understand the church because it is a mystery that's only given to Paul later on. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Stay with me. In Acts chapter number 1, you say, how do you know this? In Acts chapter number 1, let's just turn there. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter number 1, I believe it's in verse 7. Think it'd be fitting to turn in the Bible at Bible study? Acts chapter number one. <clears throat> I believe it's verse seven is what we're looking for. I believe it's verse six. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. They've got a great commission given to them. Now watch. Verse six. When they, these are the disciples. These are the disciples. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom? They were not about a church. They were still looking for a kingdom. All right. You going to do it now? Because he had been promising them 
a kingdom. You're going to rule with me in a kingdom. Well, this is the way it happened. This is the way it happened. The king came and he offered a kingdom. And they rejected the king. So this is what happened. This, as a nation, as a nation, the nation of Israel, okay? The nation of Israel. And this is, by the way, this is another mystery that was given to Paul. God set aside, God set aside the nation of Israel temporarily and established the church. Now, instead of God working through the nation of Israel, because if you'll remember when he called Abraham, he said, all the world will be blessed because of you. Uh, uh, and, and, and whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And through that point, up until this point, from Abraham on, he operated through the nation of Israel. He worked through the nation of Israel. All right? He affected the world through the nation of Israel. But because of their unbelief and their rejection of their king, he set them aside and he began a program called the church. Now here's the church. They didn't fully understand it. They're still asking for the kingdom. But the kingdom has been put on time out. Pause, if you will. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And now God is working through the church. But they still don't get it because it wasn't given completely till it was given to Paul. It was still a mystery. And that word mystery there means something hid up until now. If that makes sense, say amen. And listen, after the church is gone, after the church is raptured out and is in heaven where Jesus promised them they would be, after the seven years of tribulation of God's judgment upon this earth and God's getting the Jews' attention and they turning back to him, guess what? That's when the kingdom, time out is taken off and there's going to be a thousand year reign on this earth. Does that make sense? Now, with that being said, watch this. Write this down. We, we said... There's an illustrative picture. What was number two? There's an imminent promise. But then let's look at the interpretational problem. Interpretational problem. Why, why do people disagree about this? Why do you hear one man say there's going to be a rapture and another man say there's not going to be a rapture? One person says there's going to be a mid-trib rapture that... The church is going to have to go through half of the tribulation and then they're taken out. Well, it's, a, it's an issue of rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, here's, here's what I want you to read. Let's look in our notes. Let's look at our notes. First A, the rapture, along with several other things that I put there in your notes, was a mystery that was hid until the Apostle Paul. All right, it was a mystery that was hid until the because you hear well, Jesus doesn't say anything about the rapture. He he in a veiled way he speaks about it in John 14, but he doesn't address the rapture because he's speaking to Jews. He's speaking to Jews. Listen, God reaching the Gentiles never took place till in the book of Acts when Paul took over, and now he primarily works through the Gentiles. So he is addressing Jews. The tribulation is going to be for unbelieving Jews. Are y'all with me? So he is addressing a Jewish crowd in Matthew chapter number 24. Okay? Now, 
There's, there, I, 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 didn't, I, I wanted to put all these verses down so you could have them and you wouldn't have to look them up, but you need to practice, so look them up. <clears throat> Are y'all with me? The setting aside of Israel, remember that it's the, the reference of being grafted in. We were a wild olive branch. How many of y'all know what, what that's talking about? You have a tree, an apple tree, and they come and they graft in, and so you have a bad root, but you got a good graft. It, well, I see none of y'all are farmers, I can tell that. But that's what they do. And the point is, is we've been grafted in to the Jewish root, the church, the Gentile bride of Christ. Are y'all with me? Say amen. That's, that's in, that's in Romans eleven twenty five. That was a mystery. They didn't understand that. That's why, that's why all them at Jerusalem got really mad at Peter for hanging out with Cornelius in Acts chapter number 10. And they had to have a conference over it because they didn't understand this. Because forever and ever and ever, Jews and Gentiles did not mix. They were there and they were there. But God had taken all of that away. When Jesus died on the cross, there was no more a separation. There was no more an enmity. There was one man, the church, the body of Christ. Amen. But they didn't understand that because it was a mystery. And the word is there in, in Romans, chapter, Romans chapter 11, 25. They didn't really understand the church itself. Ephesians 3, 1 through 11. That was another mystery. It was explained fully to Paul. And by the way, Peter didn't have it all together. Neither did the rest of the disciples. Only Paul. All right? They didn't completely understand the gospel until it was clearly given to Paul. Romans 16, 25 through 26. It was a mystery. The Gentiles being saved. The Gentiles being saved. In Ephesians 3, 7 through 10 was a mystery. And obviously what we're talking about tonight, the rapture and the changing of the resurrected. You know, we shall all be changed in a moment twinkling of an eye. He said, I, behold, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, behold, I show you a mystery. In other words, something that was hid before that is now being revealed. So this is where a lot of the confusion comes from. Because the disciples didn't know anything about it. Jesus didn't speak about it because Jesus was speaking kingdom. Because while Jesus was here on earth, he was offering them a kingdom. But they rejected and crucified him. When they rejected and crucified him, then it went from a kingdom talk to the church. And that was not completely explained till 30 years after Matthew, when Paul wrote his epistles. Okay? Now, if no one... Now watch this. Because some people, some people try to say Matthew 24 and 25 is what we're calling the rapture. We're saying this is, they're saying this is one event, and, and it's not. Because here's, here's the deal. If no one knew of the doctrine of the rapture of the church until Paul, then Matthew 24 and 25 cannot be under any circumstances referring to the church in the rapture because no one knew of any rapture. In fact, at the time of Matthew, the church itself was not even formed. If Matthew knew and wrote about the rapture of the church, which they're trying to say in Matthew 24 and 25, then Paul was lying when he said it was a mystery that he was revealing for the first time in the book of Corinthians. Are y'all with me? Say amen. The rapture, it's causing issues with people because they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. 
Listen, B, there's, there's, there's problems sometimes with this topic because it was a mystery hit unto Paul. Then B, because you have to rightly divide scriptures to understand. You have to rightly divide scriptures to understand. As Christians, we have a nasty tendency to read everything from Matthew to Revelation and try to apply it all to the church. Let me read that again. We have a bad tendency to read everything from Matthew to Revelation and try to apply it all to the church. This will not work because all of the New Testament is not written to the Christian church. The church is only a part of it. Much of the New Testament is written to the Jews of that time and to the Jews that will be living during the time of Jacob's trouble, which is the tribulation period, the seven years of tribulation, otherwise known as the Great Tribulation. And some of it is written to unbelieving Gentiles. This is why Paul commands Timothy to reach people, or excuse me, teach people how to rightly divide their Bibles to know which of the three groups God is speaking to at any given time. Now, listen, here's what I want to do. I have information. <clears throat> I have information on each of these letters, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, and I didn't have room to put it in your notes, so just listen, and if you want to write down a reference that I give you, just write it down beside that, uh, and, and, and we'll go that route, all right? I just didn't want to print all that amount of papers. Now, here, here's what we want to do. I want to take a few moments, what we have left, and I want to show you the difference between the rapture of the church that is clearly given. It's it, without a doubt, without a doubt, wh whether you believe it's before, during, or after, you got to believe it exists because 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says this, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them where? In the clouds. Where are the clouds? In the sky. Y'all are making this way too difficult. <clears throat> right? So, that's an event. That is an event that describes people leaving this earth, going up, Say, so how far do you go up? I know we make the clouds. But we're on our way to heaven to be where Jesus said in John 14. I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, where is he? At the Father's house. Where's the Father's house? In heaven, right? So that's a going up. No question about it. No question about it. No question about this. It says, listen, behold, I show thee a mystery. We should not all sleep. That means die. But we shall all be changed in the moment, the twinkling of an eye. This mortal shall put on immortality. This corruption shall put on incorruption. What does that mean? That is the moment that we all lose our gray hair. That is the moment we all lose our glasses because you won't need them. That is the moment you won't take insulin no more. You won't take medicine no more. No blood pressure medicine. Why? We're going to have a brand new body. Woo! Say amen. If you get up moaning and groaning and hurting, you're going to appreciate that verse, baby. If you get up and say, oh, I'm hurting, that means I'm alive. Amen. You're going to appreciate the change. What are we going to be like? Well, 1 John says this, beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but when we see him, we shall be like him. 
We're going to have a resurrected body, a glorified body, just like Christ. You say, how do you describe that? Well, all I know is he walked through walls and ate a fish sandwich. That's biblical. Look it up. The 40 days he was on this earth, he come back, ate a fish sandwich, and walked right through walls. He appeared and disappeared. Hey, yeah. Some of y'all are like, what? Y'all need to read your Bible. It amazes you what you'll find in there. Right? So that is going to happen. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. There is going to be a time when a trumpet is going to sound and the saints of God are going to leave this earth. You can't deny that. Now let's talk about, let's talk about when it's going to happen. Whether it's going to be the beginning, the middle, or the end. I propose it's going to be in the beginning. That's where I believe it's going to take place. I believe in the second coming of Christ in chapter 19. The Bible says, Behold, I saw one on a white horse, and that's Christ. He's coming back with the armies of heaven. He's going to come back to this earth. But there is a difference between the two. There is a difference between the rapture of the church where we go and the second coming of Christ where he comes down. Okay? Let's look at those. Let's look at those differences. First, first, because of the manifold differences between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ, it is impossible for them to be the same event. Okay? Impossible. The rapture is the blessed hope. The rapture is the blessed hope. We've already read that verse already. It is called the blessed hope. While the second coming is a day to greatly be feared. To be greatly feared. Now listen. In Titus chapter 2 verse 13, talking about the rapture, Paul calls it the blessed hope. It's a day of great comfort and joy. But in Amos 5.18, talking about the day of the Lord, which is in fact the second coming of Jesus Christ, God tells us that it is a day of great woe and greatly to be feared. Joel chapter 3 describes more on the ferocity and the woefulness of the second coming. Why? Because he's coming back in judgment. He's coming back to judge. In Titus 2.13 it says, Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What does that mean? We can't wait. We're looking for him. We're hoping he'll hurry up. It's the blessed hope. Why is it a blessed hope? Because we're hurting. We're suffering. We're dealing with junk down here on this earth and we can't wait to see him. Are y'all with me? But the second coming is a time of fear. It's a time to be fearful of. That is not, that's not a blessed hope. Listen, Amos 5.18 says, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Isaiah 13, 9, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Read Revelation 19. You'll see what it's all about. B, the rapture is a blessed hope, while the second coming is a day to be feared. B, in the rapture, Jesus comes for his church. At his second coming, he brings the church with him. In the rapture, the church, or excuse me, Jesus comes for his church. At his second coming, he brings the church with him. 
Paul teaches over and over and over again that at the rapture, the church is taken up and out from off the face of the earth. But at the second coming, which is Revelation 19, by the way, if you want to write that down, Jesus returns with his saints. Another fatal difference when trying to reconcile the two events is one. The first is going up, and in the second, they're what? Coming down, coming down. C, C, in the rapture, the church is taken to, and at the second coming, Jesus sets up earthly rule, all right? John 14, let's go back to it, John 14, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house, where's his Father's house? Heaven. Heaven. In my Father's house are many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where you Where's he going? Chapters 13 and 14 says he's going back to heaven. That's the reference there. The church is going to be raptured out to heaven, but in the second coming, Jesus is coming to earth. He's literally going to come all the way to earth, land on the Mount of Olives, walk across the brook Kidron, go through the eastern gate, and set up his throne for a thousand years. Say amen. Amen. It's It's a different deal. It's a different situation. All right? D. The rapture happens when the Antichrist, or excuse me, the rapture happens before the Antichrist and the tribulation, while the second coming happens after both. Rapture before Antichrist and tribulation, second coming happens after. In both John and Paul's writings, the promise of a heavenly home awaits for the born again Christian. All right? Uh, uh, I, I, I skipped C. Let me go back to C. Let me go back to C. I've got to give you this information. In both John and Paul's writings, the promise of a heavenly home awaits for the born-again Christian. We call this the kingdom of God. But in the second coming, a thousand-year kingdom is established on earth, known as the kingdom of heaven. Christians are never promised an earthly home, but a heavenly one. The Jews and the tribulation saints were never promised a heavenly home. They were getting instead a home on the earth. We read John 14. We read John 14. But look in Revelation 20 verse 4. This is talking about the Jews and the tribulation saints. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. That's during the tribulation period. And which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Okay? They had an earthly home. We have a heavenly home. All right? The rapture happens before the Antichrist and the tribulation, while the second coming after. Paul stresses repeatedly that one of the incredible benefits of being taken out in the rapture, it's called the blessed hope, we're not appointed to wrath, is that you get to miss the entire wrath of the great tribulation. But Matthew tells in the second coming, which is in Matthew 24 and 25, it says, after the tribulation of those days. In other words, Jesus is going to come back after the tribulation, after the seven years. Now listen, if the rapture and the second coming are the same event, then these verses represent an irreconcilable difference. But there is not a conflict, obviously, because there are two separate distinct events. Amen. It says, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord. Rapture. 
Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see uh, the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's Revelation 19. Now, if it's a blessed hope, and, and we can't wait for it to be here, this is talking about mourning and sorrow. Do you see the difference? All right, now, now, E, E, in the rapture, no angels are sent to gather the church. At the second coming, angels do all the gathering for judgment. Paul says that Jesus himself, I love that, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. It corresponds with John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. If I go and prepare a place for you, I, Jesus, I will come again. Why? Because the groom is coming for his own bride. Amen. Listen, look what it says. Paul says that Jesus is coming for his church. We hear his shout, the twinkling of an eye, we're gone. No angels mentioned anywhere. None. Compare this with the second coming where only angels are sent to, God's, to gather God's elect. The Jewish remnant who made it through the tribulation, again, more, a major difference. A major difference, all right? Then we see, then we see, let's see. We're, what letter are we on? F, F. The judgment seat of Christ follows the rapture. The judgment seat of Christ follows the rapture, while the judgment of nations shall follow the second coming, all right? Immediately after the rapture of the church, Paul says that we will be appearing before the judgment seat of Christ. This is the Bema judgment. Write that down there. B-E-M-A. B-E-M-A. The Bema judgment. Now, what is that? That is, how many of y'all have seen the Olympics? It's a platform, right? They get on the platform to receive their medal. That's what the reference is. One day we're going to stand before God and we're going to receive our rewards for the deeds we have done. Are y'all with me? This is not a judgment. This is not a judgment of the lost. There will be no lost people here. The judgment seat of Christ, you say, why? Because Christ was judged for our sins. We will not be judged for our sins. Christ was judged for our sins. We will be judged for our works and rewarded accordingly. How many of y'all remember the verse that your works are wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones? They're going to go through the fire of God's judgment. And those things that you did with right motivation, those things that you did with the right attitude and the right heart, they're going to come out gold, silver, precious stones, and you will be rewarded. But those things you did to be seen, those things you did for your own glory, those things you did out of bad motivation, there's some people who can do some good things for the wrong reasons. And the Bible says they'll go through the fire and they'll burn up. But we'll be rewarded for our deeds, our individual deeds. But the, watch this. The great white throne judgment is for the lost. And they will be judged for their sin. Because they didn't receive the, 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 the uh, pardon. And they didn't receive the gift of salvation that they could have for their own sins. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Immediately after the rapture, Paul says that we will be appearing before the judgment seat of Christ. This is not a judgment on sin, which was taken care of at Calvary. It is a judgment on the works we did or did not do for Jesus Christ after we got saved. But immediately after the second coming, the judgment that takes place is a public judgment, not of individuals, but of the nations. 
but of the nations. In other words, Jesus on his throne in Jerusalem, all the nations are going to come before him and he's going to separate the sheep and the goats. That's the judgment after his return. All right, now let me give you the verses. First Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 5.10, that's our, that's our judgment, the saved. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5.10. Now this is the judgment of the nations. This is after the second coming, Matthew 25.44. Then shall they all answer him, saying, Lord, when, shall, when saw we thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer, saying, Verily I say unto you, and as much as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And then these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. All right? The judgment seat of Christ follows the rapture, while the judgment of nations follows the second coming. G, famine, war, and pestilence follow the rapture while 1,000 years of world peace follows the second coming. After the rapture, a time of unbelievable suffering is ushered in that we're going to begin in chapter number 6 with. In the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah 37, 30 verse 7. But after the second coming, a 1,000-year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ in Jerusalem brings a world peace so amazing that even poisonous animals are no longer dangerous. The verse in Matthew 24 where the apostles asked Jesus about the sign of thy coming is a direct reference to the second coming. You remember when they were asking Jesus, they said, when are you coming and when is the end of the world? Well, this is a Jewish question. This is a Jewish question. He's addressing the Jews that are going to go through the tribulation period. At the end of the tribulation period is when he's referring to. This is what he's talking about. He says the doctrine, uh, or excuse me, back up, back up. The verse in Matthew 24 where the apostles asked Jesus about the sign of thy coming is a direct reference to the second coming. The doctrine of the rapture was unknown to them at this time and would not be revealed unto Paul, which was 30 years after the writing of Matthew. So here they're, they're still, remember what they were asking for? What did they ask for in Acts chapter number 1? They are asking for a kingdom. So that's what's in their mind. That's what's in their mind. They're saying, when are you going to come back to establish your your kingdom, that's, you see, they're not talking about the church. They don't even understand the church. It's not even revealed to them yet. There's a mystery. They're not talking about the rapture. They're talking about a kingdom. So what does Jesus respond to them? Jesus explains to them when the kingdom will be established. That is the thousand-year reign here on this earth. Now, now do you see why people, if you put these two together, it causes confusion? You can't do that. They're two separate deals. They're two separate entities. Don't mix the church and Israel. They're two different things. God is not, and, and the, what happens is, is, is people say, okay, God is through with Israel. Israel's nothing now. Now it's all the church. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not through with Israel. They're just in time out. Because of their unbelief, because of their rejection, they're in time out. God is working through the church, but one day the church is going to be raptured out. And God is going to send judgment upon this earth. And he's going to get their attention. And guess what? According to scripture, they're all going to believe. 
And I'm going to, let me give you a, a, a quick, real quick, real quick. Hey, that's Matthew 24, 3, 6, and 8. Write that down. It's a lot of verses, so I'm not going to read it. Matthew 24, 3, 6, and 8. And then Isaiah, Isaiah 11, 6 through 10. That describes the millennial reign. That's when the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. That's talking about a goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. The little child shall lead them. What a time that's going to be. That's Isaiah 11, 6 through 10. That's after the second coming. Okay. Here's where it's going to make a whole lot of sense. Oh, boy. All right, H, are you there? At the rapture, believers are given a glorified body. Say amen. At the second coming, they remain in earthly bodies as they enter the millennial kingdom. Now watch. At the rapture of the church, great personal and physical changes take place for the believer. The Bible says that the born-again believer receives a new body that is fashioned just like the glorious body that the Lord Jesus Christ himself was given at his resurrection. Remember? The one that walked through walls and ate a fish sandwich. Y'all with me? Now, imagine that. How exciting for the believer to be able to look forward to that day. But at the second coming, as Jesus sets up his earthly government from Jerusalem, the people who made it through the tribulation have no special bodies, it is possible for them to die. Christians who get glorified bodies can never die. Are y'all with me? Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. We're going to get a brand new body. All right, now let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about the, 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 uh, uh, the thousand year reign. All right, now watch. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat fruit from them. Now, let me, let me explain that real quickly. <clears throat> Here's the deal. <clears throat> Jesus is coming back to take his church home. John 14, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. We're going to leave here with a shout. The trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive remain shall be called up together to be with them in the clouds. One of the reasons he explained that verse is because somebody had told the Thessalonians that, the, that, that Jesus had already come back and they were in the tribulation period. And they were wigged out about it. And they were afraid that their family that had died before them was going to miss out on Jesus' return. And he's explaining to them, don't worry about it. They're just asleep. Their body is asleep in the ground and their spirit is with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
He said, but when Jesus comes to get the church, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be called up to be with them in the clouds. Okay? That starts and triggers the tribulation period. Okay? Now watch. Now watch. At the end of seven years on this earth, there, that seven years is going to be an incredible amount of judgment, an incredible amount of horror and sorrow, but there is going to be an incredible revival that takes place during those seven years. There's going to be more people saved during those seven years at any time in history. Now, I personally don't believe that if you've heard the gospel before the rapture that you can get saved after because the Bible says God will send them a strong delusion that they believe a lie because they would not believe in the truth. But that's a whole other topic. But the point being is they're going to be killed. There's going to be martyrs during the tribulation period. There's going to be saved people during the tribulation period. But what's going to happen? What's going to happen? When Jesus comes back, when Jesus comes back, he's going to destroy all of the wicked. Y'all with me? It's, this, is, this is really important for you to get to understand the whole totality of this. When Jesus comes back, he's going to judge all of the wicked and the sin on this earth, and he's going to destroy all of the wicked, and the only people that will be here on earth will be the believers that believe during the tribulation period. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now watch. If what these other people are saying is true, if what these other people are saying is true, that there's no such thing as the, tra- the rapture before the tribulation period or even during the tribulation period. Okay, who is going to, who's going to inhabit the kingdom if, if we all have glorified bodies? Because if everybody's changing the moment of the twinkle of an eye and, everybody, and the glorified body is our eternal state, you see, that don't work. That don't work. There has, to be, there has to be people that are here in their physical bodies that are going to inhabit the kingdom. And they are going to be ruled and reigned by Christ here on this earth. And there's going to be multiplication. It's going to be a time where the lion shall lay down by the lamb. It's going to be a time of incredible, no sickness. Can you imagine the amount of people that will be born and raised and reproduced in a thousand years with no sickness and no, under a perfect reign of Christ? Now I know, I, I've got, I, have, I have to give y'all like a ton of material in a short period of time. And I see that look on some of your faces, but I promise you I'll try to explain this as, in greater detail maybe even next week. But the point is this, the point is this. If we, if the rapture takes place at the end, that would mean we go up and come right back down. That don't even make sense. That doesn't even make sense. And we know that at, at, at a point when Jesus comes to get us, we're going to be changed in the moment of twinkling of an eye. We're going to have an incorruptible body. This corruption shall put on incorruption. This mortal shall put on immortality. And if he comes and everybody's got a glorified body, Who's going to be married and given in marriage during the millennial reign of Christ on this earth? You see, that doesn't fit. When you rightly divide it and put it together, it doesn't make sense. But when you see, when you see that we are not appointed to wrath, we have been given the promise of deliverance from the wrath, 
that we read about in chapter 6, the wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of that great day has come. We are not appointed to that. We have been delivered from that. It completely makes sense that the rapture of the church is going to take place before the tribulation begins, and it's going to trigger the tribulation period. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to get in trouble because I'm over time again. Here's the timeline. The church age. God sets aside Israel. Jesus came. Let me, let's just go on back to that. Jesus came and offered Israel a kingdom. He came unto his own and his own. They rejected him. Right? God set that plan aside. He called time out. He planned to give them a king. He planned to have an earthly kingdom, a Jewish earthly kingdom on this earth ruled by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But they, they rejected him. They crucified him and rejected him. So God sets that plan aside and now begins the church. The church was a mystery. Say that with me. The church was a mystery that was only revealed to Paul. It was not revealed to any of the disciples. It was not talked about during uh, 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 the Gospels except for when Jesus spoke about it there at Caesarea Philippi. They didn't understand it. They're still asking for a kingdom in Acts chapter number 1 right before Jesus goes back up to heaven. You know why? Because it's still a mystery. Then God gives Paul the truth and God reveals to Paul the truth of the church of the Gentiles getting saved, of the gospel by faith and faith alone, of, of listen, the, the Jew and the Gentile coming together in one body is the church, and the rapture, behold, I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment of the twinkling of an eye. It was given to Paul. It was given to Paul. So, boom, at any moment, we're looking for the what? Blessed hope. Say it with me. We're looking for the blessed hope. Blessed hope. We're looking for Christ's return, right? Now, when he returns, we're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. There's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to receive the rewards, and we'll talk more about that with the 24 elders next week. We'll receive the rewards that are coming to us. There will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. Say amen. And seven years of tribulation, seven years of judgment is going to come upon this earth, upon the unbelievers. And at the end of that seven-year tribulation, we're coming back with Christ in Revelation 19. Christ is going to come to this earth. He's going to step on the Mount of Olives, go across that creek. Or actually, not a creek. It's the Brook Kidron. Come back up the other side, go through the eastern gate, establish the throne of his father David. He will rule and reign. That's when the Bible verse will come to pass in Isaiah. Behold. Unto us a son is given. Unto us a child is born, right? A son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What, what did he say? And his government, the government shall be upon his shoulder. And you know what everybody's going to say? Every planet, or excuse me, every person on the planet is going to talk about his ruling and his reigning and his government. Now everybody's talking about the government right now, but not in a good way. But you know what we're going to say during that time? Boy, he's wonderful. Wonderful. That's that thousand-year reign. There's going to be people, multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of people who survived the tribulation period. 
And they're still going to be in their human bodies, not their glorified body, but their fleshly body. And they're going to reproduce, and they're going to have families, and they're going to have kids. And, 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 and that's a, that's, I'll tell you the rest of the story later. <laughs> because there's something that happens even after that that's going to blow your mind. Anyway, all God's people say amen. amen. Let's stand up and we'll pray. I'm just glad we're leaving here. And let me say this again. Let me